body positivity might be more palatable or we might be more used to, to hearing that. Um, body positivity is something that has evolved out of the fat acceptance and fat positive movement um, and has, has in some ways been co-opted by the people who are not as harmed by anti-fat bias. And welcome to C-Network, the podcast. It's the podcast where we highlight diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals and the work they're doing to help their fellow employees feel seen at work. I'm Natalia Eileen. Together with my team, I help businesses build more diverse, more equitable, and more inclusive workplaces. Today, I'm excited to bring to you a conversation I had with a fellow diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, Anna Burns. Anna Burns is actually on my team here at CNET Work. And today she joins us to discuss how any workplace can make a space that prioritizes and discusses size inclusivity by adopting an employee resource group dedicated to body and fat positivity. I'm excited for you to hear this one. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, we are here with Anna Burns and we are so excited to have them because, oh my goodness, Anna is a member of my team at CNET Work, and I can't wait for you to hear more about all of the expertise that they have. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself and just kick us off that way, please. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Natalia. Um, I'm Anna. My pronouns are she and they. Um, my background is in largely LGBTQ um, education, education, educating corporations, businesses about how to support the LGBTQ community, um, and also a focus on mental health um, and sort of the interaction between those two things as well. Um, I'm also a thought leader in size inclusivity and fat positivity, um, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to talk about that here. It's a really special thing um, that as a company seen at work is excited to have these kind of conversations. So thanks for, for bringing me on, Natalia. Of course, of course. And Anna is a senior consultant with us on our team. So we get the chance to work together on a lot of these topics on a on a regular basis. But, you know, we wanted to do a podcast episode about size inclusivity. And uh, like many others, Anna has done a lot of thinking about, about this. And so we were excited to be able to have this conversation, can you get us started with like, just what are we talking about here? Size inclusivity, fat positivity. Can you just define these terms for our listeners and help us understand what got you to this place in terms of your expertise here? Totally. I know this is kind of new for people. People are probably like, why are you saying the word fat? Um, so I, I got into this because I'm, I'm a fat person. I'm a queer fat person. I've I've grown up a fat person. I've existed in a large body for the vast majority of my life. Um, and it's really impacted the person I am and how I interact with the world and how the world interacts with me. Um, and so in finding spaces that were affirming of other parts of my identity, like my queerness um, or my femme identity as a woman, um, I, I didn't feel like those places were also affirming of my fat identity. And in fact, sometimes were even more stigmatizing than, than where you find, um, than, than how fat people might be treated within other spaces. And that sort of dissonance was really confusing and disorienting. Um, and so there's a real need to, to bring 
fat positivity, fat acceptance, there's lots of different ways to frame it, um, to the forefront um, as part of an intersectional approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so I'm going to be using the word fat a lot today, um, which maybe sounds uh, uncomfortable for some people. And, um, you know, not all people in larger bodies identify with the word fat. Um, but here I'm using it because that's how I identify. Um, and it's also a word that has been reclaimed by a lot of the community because it's not a bad word. It's not a bad thing to be fat. It's neutral. It's just a descriptor. Um, so that's a little bit about that. Thank you for digging into that. And I know we're going to talk about specifically what kinds of initiatives or interventions workplaces can engage in to better support employees who identify as fat or who may appreciate just any sort of acknowledgement about this topic. So uh, before we get into that, I think it's important to ground us in the workplace a little bit and maybe talk about why it's worth having this conversation in corporate spaces or in organizations where we're maybe not used to talking about um, size inclusivity or fat positivity or any of these topics. Yeah. Um, so we exist in our bodies all the time, right? Like whether we're at work or um, at home uh, and the way that we exist in our bodies and the way that people interpret us affects us within the workplace on a really practical level, as well as a more um, overarching level that impacts like um, how we're treated because of things like bias against fat people. Um, so first of all, we know that a lot of people are in big bo big bodies. Um, it's almost 75% of the United States that is considered uh, in to be in a larger body. Um, they use the terms overweight or obese to describe people. And we know that those are kind of stigmatized words that pathologizes fat bodies. So I don't like to use those words. Um, but it's, it's a big group of people um, who are big. <laughs> uh, and so this matters. Um, because we're, we're here and we're not going anywhere, um, but we're being treated a certain way within workspaces that doesn't let us thrive. Um, mm -hmm. And so it impacts us um, on a really, from, from the start, right? Like getting hired. Mm -hmm. We know that there is discrimination against fat people um, for hiring and it's actually legal in most yeah. states. I think there are either two or three states and a couple of cities across the United States yeah. where it's illegal to discriminate against fat people, but otherwise that's that's totally fine. You can be fired for being fat. Um, so on, on that scale, it matters, but then also on, on little things like, um, the having arms on our chairs at our desk, right? Like if I'm in a bigger body, that's uncomfortable. Um, so we need to consider how our physical spaces also um, accommodate for fat bodies. Um, workplaces are also breeding grounds for negative self-talk around bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, the number of times in, in other work environments, you know, you walk into a, a break room where there's cookies or something like that, and there are comments like, oh, I shouldn't eat that, or, um, you know, I have to go to the beach this weekend, I shouldn't touch that. Um, those kind of comments even are stigmatizing against fat people because there's an implication that it's a bad thing. If I eat that, I'm going to be fat, and that's a bad thing, and I don't, don't want to be that. Um, so the way we talk about bodies and food and exercise, um, all, all the way to 
the the physical spaces we inhabit at work mm-hmm. um, and then how we're how we're treated or um, promoted and able to um, exist as professionals in workplaces are all impacted by fatness. Yeah, which is always really fascinating to reflect on. Those statistics are um, specifically the ones about legal discrimination are always so staggering to me. Um, and I know when I first learned about that was really just like, what? Um, but I think, and, and you touched on this, I think there's also something to be said about how um, there are a lot of different stigmas and biases around fat people or people in larger bodies um, that even to some people have something to do with their competence, right? Or, mm-hmm. or intelligence. Can you say more about those? Because sometimes people are like, really, those are things, but it's, if you talk about it, it can really help shine some light. Yeah. Um, and I think this is tied to those statistics about yeah. why fat people aren't hired, why they're not promoted at the same rate and aren't in like high leadership positions. Um, there is a bias. There's a stereotype around fat people that we are, lazy or incompetent, um, that we don't have willpower or aren't motivated or driven. Um, And there's research behind that, that people have that, that they make those connections um, about fat people and and the way that that seeps into decision-making around things like hiring um, or promotions. Um, And in particular, this impacts Uh, fat women. Um, Fat women are 16 times more likely to report instances of discrimination within the workplace Mm -hmm. um, compared to men. Um, And we know that people of color also are are more significantly impacted by this. So women of color in particular is where those those intersecting identities um, play a huge role because there's this, um, you know, a, a layered effect yeah. uh, of discrimination and a bias that's that's impacting them and their ability to, to thrive and feel included at work. Yeah, that intersectionality. But when it comes down to including size as part of that, you know, sometimes it gets totally left off the table, but it's clearly a big, it's just, it's such an impactful identity, unfortunately, based off of these biases that many people don't talk about. So I appreciate you bringing this up here. And so, okay, makes sense why we're talking about it, given this workplace context you've offered us. I know we wanted to talk about specific uh, initiatives or one in particular that maybe would be really beneficial within a workplace that you've seen support all people within the workplace as they're aiming to become more fat positive or to support that kind of agenda. Can you talk a little bit about that initiative or, or activity? Yeah. Um, so, so something I would recommend to workplaces or to individuals who want to advocate for this in their workplaces would be to start an employee resource group or an affinity group around fat positivity um, or fat neutrality, fat acceptance, some sort of space um, that is not stigmatizing of fat bodies, um, that is welcoming and celebratory of people in larger bodies, and that is a safe space um, for people to go and, and build community around existing in, in large bodies. Um, and this is something that's really uncommon because like we've talked about, um, size inclusivity, creating an environment um, that is welcoming of people of all sizes mm-hmm. uh, is rare, is really rare. 
Um, I've seen a couple of body positive employee resource groups pop up, um, but I, I would encourage organizations to reframe that as, as fat positive. While body positivity might be more palatable or we might be more used to, to hearing that, um, body positivity is something that has evolved out of the fat acceptance and fat positive movement um, and has, has in some ways been co-opted by the people who are not as harmed by anti-fat bias. So we wanna make sure that within our employee resource groups or affinity groups that are about this topic, we're centering the people who are most impacted by fat hatred, anti-fat bias um, and fat stigma. Uh, and those are the fattest people, right? So fat mm -hmm. people need to be at the center of these, of these groups. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the idea would be to create uh, an employee resource group, an affinity group, where all people are welcome, um, allies to fat folks, people who have been impacted by fat hatred, whether or not they are a fat person or not, um, because of this idea of a, of a thin ideal, the beauty standard of, of thinness impacts all of us. It just impacts fat people a lot more, um, as we've seen with these dis uh, statistics around discrimination. Um, so in creating a space where people can have a safe haven, um, where they know that they're going to connect with a community who understands that there's nothing wrong with being fat, there's nothing bad about fatness, um, and you're not going to talk about the diet you're on or how, you know, how long you spent in the gym because you're trying to burn a certain number of calories, um, where, where you have a safe haven from that and are able to build a community within your workplace. Um, that's, that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that's sort of the one, one of the pieces of, um, an employee resource groups, uh, a fat positive employee resource groups job, mm -hmm. um, the other piece of that would also be to advocate for the needs of fat people. And I think this is a space where um, those allies or the, the people in smaller bodies who are part of this group can really uh, play a big role. Um, so advocating for things like uh, large chairs to sit in that aren't gonna hurt your thighs because of um, arms, things like that. Um, thinking about um, norms around language that's used and, and what's what's appropriate to, to say about people's bodies within the workplace. Um, even, even advocating against uh, certain types of wellness initiatives. Um, and again, no one's saying that we shouldn't have initiatives that promote well-being, um, but there are a lot of companies that set up um, sort of weight loss challenges as, as a company. Um, and that's the real focus as opposed to building wellness, like um, incorporating other types of, of wellness activities that are inclusive of all people of all sizes and abilities. Um, so this is something an employee resource group could sort of advocate for um, either ending uh, a stigmatizing event or, or creating something that is inclusive of, of all people and um, of all sizes and abilities. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you outlining some of what this group might do, right? That advocacy, that creating of safe spaces. Um, and I want to dig in actually maybe to hearing a little bit more about ways that these groups can increase uh, just awareness around these topics toward allies or toward people outside of the organization. But I want to backtrack a mm -hmm. little bit because 
you mentioned you mentioned something that I think is actually really important around uh, centering fat folks and recognizing that while some organizations might feel more comfortable calling their group something around uh, body positivity, that there is there's kind of a next level to consider there. Um, I think what's interesting is that it's like, uh, I, I mean, I want to know from you, is there room to say that this is something that people can grow into if, if people are maybe, if an organization is resistant or if leaders are resistant and start with something that's maybe, while not nearly as impactful, but, you know, that starts off maybe more on the body positivity side and then grows into Tell, tell me a little bit more about what you think about that. Cause I, I can see this being a thing. <laughs> no, to totally. Um, I think there is so much, um, as we've seen and talked about already, there is so much stigma against fat people. Yeah. And, um, so even just bringing this topic up can be hard and, um, you know, not embraced by, by leaders at companies or, or people at companies. Um, so, I, I think there's definitely room for, for situations like that. I, I personally would feel more comfortable having a, a body positive um, employee resource group than nothing. Right. But I think that um, the people who are spearheading that group um, have to be very intentional about setting norms and expectations about who the group is for, um, even if you're using different language, because um, again, all people are impacted by anti-fat bias. Um, we live in a culture that that really, um, you know, prioritizes thinness and and moralizes uh, thinness as something that we all should be able to achieve, and it is right to achieve. And being fat is is sort of wrong and bad. Um, and we're all impacted by that narrative, all of us. Um, but it harms fat people in a much more immediate and apparent way um, than it does people who who have the privilege of living in, in smaller bodies. Um, and so I, I would say definitely starting at, at body positivity is, is like the first little step there. Um, but as soon as we have that space and you have that buy-in to create an environment where these kind of conversations can happen and there are expectations um, as to what you're talking about when you enter enter the that space um, you know that that that's good that's that's a definite starting point um, but I think just really making sure that you're highlighting and educating people on why you might want to steer towards fat positivity rather than than body positivity um, mm -hmm. And that the, the purpose behind that group um, is to center the needs of fat people um, and to fight fat hatred and anti-fat bias. Right. And I think this is something that we've talked about before where it's, you know, not about liberating some, but it's about liberating all from this ever-present societal pressure that we mm -hmm. all live under. And I think that's a very powerful thing to remind people of even those those of us out there who might be thinking oh this doesn't affect me it's well we've all been inundated with these narratives and to a large extent many of us to varying degrees have internalized these narratives mm -hmm. right and and that can sometimes manifest in um some some internalized hatred or internalized oppression toward ourselves which is really dramatic and and worth 
doing something about. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we all, we all benefit from um, like fighting fat hatred and, and getting rid of this stigma or at least decreasing it. Um, and part of that starts with acknowledging that it's there and that it's bad. Um, historically, like in, in the not so recent past, there's been research done to be like, it's good to shame fat people because it'll make them lose weight. Um, and we know that, that that doesn't work. That's not true. And we know that even fat people who try to lose weight um, likely gain it back. And if not just as much, even more, um, diets fail. There's just body diversity, right? Um, we, we have to accept that and, and celebrate that. Um, and so in doing that and in teaching people that that should be our mindset, um, we're, all, we're all better off for it. Um, mm -hmm. It takes that sort of moral pressure that I was talking about off of the people who are like, I need to be thin to be successful. I need to be thin to be good um, or deserving. Um, and that's not true. We should be in a society where all people can thrive and feel included and feel celebrated um, because of who, who they are, um, not in spite of, of being fat, but, but mm -hmm. with that piece of their identity. Yeah. Well, I did want to double back and talk about the activities that you started to dig into because I heard advocacy on multiple levels, which makes a ton of sense to me. I heard creating spaces where people who identify as fat or who are in larger bodies, who are most impacted by this, this stigma, this pressure by anti-fat bias, um, can come together and experience a sense of safety. What other activities do you see an organization like this doing? And I know you've mentioned that while rare, these groups do exist in mm -hmm. small pockets, right? So what kinds of other activities might they do? Sure. Um, I think hosting, I, I have such an emphasis on education around this because I think, you know, size inclusivity, fat positivity is just so forgotten and off the radar within diversity, equity, and inclusion spaces. So I would really emphasize bringing in speakers, um, bringing in educators who are going to, to create knowledge or belief that this matters within a company. Um, I think that having lunch and learns or something like that um, is a really helpful place to start. Um, also having days of, of awareness. Um, I know World Obesity Day is a day that has really harmed a lot, a lot of people. Um, again, it's like the, the war on obesity, fighting against bodies like mine. So maybe as a group, you do something, um, some some activist a, a sort of activity, countering that and, and really taking up space in an effective way to be like, I'm here and I'm proud of who I am and, and I'm gonna celebrate me. Um, I think also partnering with other employee resource groups or affinity groups is really important. Um, as, as I mentioned, this impacts women more significantly, this impacts people of color more significantly. And so figuring out ways to have conversations about how these things intersect um, and um, impact one another. I know there's a lot of anti-fat bias within the queer community. So that's another opportunity to, to collaborate and have really good discussions um, about why this matters. Um, I think opportunities for storytelling are really powerful too. Um, if you have someone in your company who's a part of this group or and willing to tell their story, um, I think 
telling a narrative of what it's like to be a fat person mm -hmm. is really eye-opening for people because a lot of times people who don't exist in fat bodies just haven't had to, to think about these certain things. Mm -hmm. And bringing awareness of, of the issues that we experience is really attached to that, that advocacy piece, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you know that um, it's uncomfortable for me to sit in a chair with arms on it, then as you know, a leader in a company, you can <laughs> arrange to have those arms removed or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I'm so fixated on the arms of the chairs. Um, but also things like, I know, you know, phone booths are really common in office spaces now, right? Can, can, can fat people fit in those? Um, can they do so comfortably? Mm -hmm. um, what kind of, what kind of accommodations can you make um, to support someone still having a comfortable place to, to take a meeting? Does that mean just making sure you have a conference room available to them? Um, so, so I think storytelling and advocacy go together because a lot of times, unless you've been in a fat body, you just don't know, you just don't know what, yeah. what it's like. Um, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So there's, there are a lot of possibilities, it sounds like. And we discussed how important these groups can be I guess I want to dig into some of the challenges that might exist in creating an affinity group or employee resource group like this. We talk about buy-in. I want to throw one out there and hear your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, maybe there are people who've been very much impacted by anti-fat bias um, who maybe have a very difficult relationship with weight or with food or with exercise or with diet, whatever, whatever the case may be, and have really felt the impact of this, um, this, this societal stigma, but who they themselves don't currently identify or, you know, even are in larger bodies at all uh, as fat. Um, what do you say to those people or how does this kind of, kind of a group still support those people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think having spaces um, where you indicate the purpose of the people who are present, like the purpose of the meeting, the purpose of the gathering, um, really explicitly is powerful for, for that. So making clear who spaces are built for. So while you have this overarching fat positive or body positive employee resource group, um, what kinds of sort of activities can you or um, you know, meetings can you hold that are subgroups of, of this overarching group, um, where maybe you're a group of people who are not in a fat body, but who struggle with body image, who struggle with disordered eating, um, whatever it might be. And is there a place where you can safely talk about that with people who share a similar identity to you so that you're not taking away space from the people who, again, are most harmed by this mm -hmm. um, and you're not, um, potentially harming fat people further by by centering yourself or your own story um, in this space. Because again, there is space for these discussions for, for all people, of course. Um, but being an ally looks like making sure that you're having appropriate conversations in appropriate spaces that aren't taking away space or airtime um, from from fat people. Um, so I think I think that's that's another thing that an employee resource group could do um, is host events uh, that are designated for, for particular segments of this 
of this overarching group um, and just being very clear about the purpose um, so that people can decide how to show up or who who deserves to show up or um, and sort of make that decision themselves about where they fit they fit mm -hmm. into this so that there is something for everyone right and so that seems like a potential challenge in in supporting and developing this kind of group which it sounds like your solution makes a ton of sense um it, it would be nuanced right and it would be maybe a little challenging all by itself doing that effectively but that makes a ton of sense are there other challenges that you see potentially popping up for people if they do have a group like this and if they are seeking to support employees and their understanding of the impact of anti-fat bias or anti-fat hatred or what have you? Yeah, I think I think another um, hard thing for fat people or people in larger bodies is um, the internalized uh, fat hatred that a lot of us have experienced or do experience. Um, and a lot of fat people, I as a fat person spent most of my life trying not to be a fat person and not wanting to be a fat person. Um, and so there's a ton of desire in within fat people to want to change themselves and not want to be associated with this community. And so addressing that internalized bias, that internalized stigma and oppression um, is hard and um, making a space that is safe for people to maybe explore that. Um, without, um, while still keeping it a safe space for um, people who are, you know, out as fat or openly fat and, and positive about it, um, still making a space where people who maybe uh, aren't fully comfortable with their identity as a fat person or don't identify as a fat person or maybe still trying to lose weight, um, it, that sort of, um, dissonance between fat people who who don't identify with this community, who have that internalized shame and stigma against fat people, um, alongside wanting to have a group that supports them and does things that advocate for them, um, could be challenging. And figuring out a way to, to still be welcoming to people who maybe are still struggling and who aren't there yet with, with fat positivity, um, a way to include them and and maybe help them along that journey um, while still making it a safe environment for fat people um, and obviously without telling people what to do with their bodies. Um, body autonomy is very important. Um, that, that could be a challenge. This is not an identity that is um, always static um, or that, um, you know, it's, it's very fluid and people have different relationships with with their fat identity um, or with their body in general and, and how they want to navigate it within the world and within the workplace. Um, and so I think that could be a really, a really big challenge is still incorporating or advocating for all people in large bodies um, and making a space that is safe for them um, while there still might be some internalized stigma or fat hatred going on for some people in larger bodies. Yeah. And that's something that you mentioned it before I could say it, but this is a challenging one too, because unlike some other identities, it can be fluid. It can fluctuate at least. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about how people might identify in terms of size 
today versus 10 years from now versus 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and that must play a complicated role in this as well. Yeah. And I mean, even just in terms of whether, whether it's you being fluid in terms of your size, you change size and shape that happens for so many reasons. Maybe you get sick and you lose a lot of weight, whatever the case may be. Um, our personal bodies change size and fluctuate. Um, but also even as a fat person, figuring out my space within, um, the broader context of the fat community is important too. So it's not just people who are like a little fat who should take up the most space in these, in these groups. Um, the fattest people are the most impacted by this and we need to hear their voices the loudest. So even if I stay this, um, certain size that is still fat, but not the fattest, um, how do, how do we all make sure that we're making space for each other and centering the people again, who are most impacted by this. Um, and we know that as, as you get fatter, as you see fatter people, um, they, they report more and more discrimination. So the fatter you are, the more discrimination you're going to face. And there's actually research behind like, if you gain a certain, like a couple pounds, um, you're this much more likely to face discrimination. You're this much more likely to make this much less money too. Those things are all correlated really, really specifically. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that's sort of hard to, to grapple with. So, so figuring out your space in this spectrum um, and this, and within the fluidity of our body size mm -hmm. can be challenging. And I think it's just something that um, especially within something like a, an ERG or surrounding this should just be top of mind at all times. And, um, we should normalize having discussions about it and being open about who's taking up space where and how, um, and how can we create those sort of subgroups or, or whatever it might be to give space to people, um, in a more appropriate way that's making sure we're centering the most impacted people. Yeah. I, I want to ask you if you have any other challenges that you think are worth raising here. I have one in my mind that just popped up, but please, like if you are already thinking, I'd, I'd want to hear yours. I think, it, I think um, my, my last challenge, again, I think underlying all of this is this buy-in piece, um, making sure that people understand why this is important, why, why do we deserve to have a space to talk about um, being fat and how we're impacted by fatness. Um, I think another tied to this advocacy piece, uh, a thing that I would encourage employee resource groups to do is to talk about microaggressions and um, think about how microaggressions against fat people show up at, at work. Um, and I think teaching people that can be hard because this is so ingrained in our, in the way we talk about people. Like I gave those examples of the break room, but also just like, oh, I've been so bad. I didn't get to the gym. There's a certain moralization or moralizing of going to the gym and, and this emphasis on weight loss that's often tied to that. Um, that can harm that can harm fat people and it's just such a common thing that we say or complimenting someone on their weight loss right maybe they didn't mean to lose weight but they have and viewing that as a positive thing so teaching people about how that's harmful can be really challenging um and i would put that in the, within the scope of what an erg could do um but i think that's hard because how do you, changing language is hard um and changing our thought processes around this is is, is 
difficult. Um, but I'd encourage NERG to take that on. Yeah, I think, and that I think is tied to what came to my mind as well, that moralizing. I think there might be quite a few people who would come to this topic with a very clear and decisive point of view that mm -hmm. might be, you know, tied to health or medicine or something like that. And really trying to just drive that rather than openly understand this, this very complex and important topic. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on that as a potential challenge as well, where people might really come in without feeling the the need to more deeply understand the totality of this because maybe there's some deeply ingrained tightly held beliefs associating weight with some sort of medical factors yeah yeah i mean that's that is super common and i think um you're you're bound to come up against that um a lot of the time um i think i would start by saying that even if there's a lot of research that um, sort of separates health and, and weight and that, that shows that these things are not necessarily tied, you can be fat and you can be healthy, you can be thin and you can be unhealthy. Um, so that's sort of a myth um, that there's research backing um, that, that that's not true, that that is unhealthy, that's not true. Um, but even, bef even before that, that's all well and good. Um, even if it was unhealthy to be fat, like fat people exist. Um, and just because someone disagrees with um, that uh, doesn't mean I don't deserve respect, that we don't deserve respect and comfort and to feel included. And moralizing health in that way, even before you moralize fatness, um, is really dangerous and harmful mm -hmm. to, to people who have all sorts of, um, you know, health considerations. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, I think that there's, again, education to be done um, in, in that space of just why I deserve respect. And it's, it's sort of down to, to be human, human decency. Um, and we're here. And the, the research shows that um, people are getting bigger, and um, there are more of us. <laughs> so uh, diets don't work. Um, there's, there's research backing this. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's really hard, I'd say. Um, and if, a, if, a, if there is sort of that wall up, um, I'd also just encourage people to still pursue what they need to do to be safe and comfortable and advocate for themselves in different avenues. Um, because as fat people, we, we matter and we deserve to take up space in the workplace and we deserve to thrive um, and feel included. And so even if there are roadblocks, um, something like an ERG where you can build community and find other people who, who get it um, or who want to support you in, in having that space, um, that's what's going to be really powerful um, in building pockets of safety and pockets of advocacy for, for fat folks. Yeah. Thank you for, for digging into that because I'm sure, I don't know, I'm sure people listening might be facing that or thinking that or wondering, you know, it's just, there's, it's very pervasive, these complex associations and feelings. I want to get to advice because what we always like to end these podcasts with is any advice you might have for the DEI practitioner 
whether they've been doing this work in diversity, equity, and inclusion for 30 years or, you know, 30 days, uh, whether they're looking to support this particular initiative and those who would benefit most from it, or they're just really trying to do the best they can to create a more diverse, more equitable, more inclusive workplace. What advice do you have for those people? Pick any segment of them and go for it. I think my overarching advice is to believe that people believe that that we're deserving of um, these spaces that we need them um, and do your research. Like this is just such an unfamiliar topic to so many people. Um, so engage with content that, that talks about this, read books about fat positivity or what it's like to be a fat person in the world um, and include size inclusivity within the scope of what you're what you're talking about when you um, engage in things like unconscious bias trainings um, or, or anything to do with that, right? So make it part of the dialogue around um, inclusion and diversity, just like we do with things like gender, sexual orientation, race, et cetera. Body size is, is part of this and intersects with all of those other things. Um, so just making sure that you're incorporating it um, another thing I would recommend is to just explicitly in, in your policies, um, make statements that say that you're not going to discriminate against fat people, um, regardless of what the, the law, <laughs> the law says, um, ideally you're a company that wants to be inclusive and, um, you know, not discriminate against people because of their size, um, and making a statement like that. If I saw a statement like that in applying for a job, that would just you know, make me feel safe and make me feel included. Um, and so little things like that, that are helpful. Um, think about the way that you talk about bodies um, at, at work um, and beyond. Um, but what kinds of initiatives are you promoting as part of diversity, equity, inclusion? And how, how do fat bodies fit into that? Um, how, how are you making sure that we're part of the conversation? Because I think that's the, the real first step, just making sure that you have this language even, right? Um, be okay with saying the word fat, be okay with talking about size inclusivity. Um, and, and I think that's a really important starting point for all DEI practitioners. Well, thank you very much, Anna, for that advice and for being with us today. It was nice having you on the podcast. Thanks so much, Natalia.